Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope, a podcast about business, well-being and chocolate. A huge hello to my lovely listeners. Now, are you one of the lockdown newbies to sourdough baking? Have you joined the nation's sourdough obsession? Our guest today has an Instagram page which will make your taste buds go loop the loop. She founded her business aged 15, sold out of her bread within 25 minutes on opening her pop-up and now with her dad has her very own shop in Watlington, Oxfordshire. Her sourdough combos include cornflakes with cornflake milk and marmite. Oh, and to add to that, her portrait is in the National Portrait Gallery as part of the BP Award Portraits. And she and her dad have a book in the pipeline too. Hello and welcome to the sought-after sourdough queen, Kitty Tate, founder the Orange Bakery. Hello. (laughs) That feels an honour coming from the queen of chocolate. (laughs) Very quickly, Kitty, are you just 16? No, I turned 16 on 30th of April. Oh, happy birthday. (laughs) So, Kitty, would you share your backstory of how you got into the world of baking and um, about leaving your school life behind Hmm. too? Yeah, so I was I was an awful baker. I was the type of person who kind of read what went into a cake or like a batch of cookies and then kind of say, oh, it's okay, it's got some eggs, got some flour and then throw it all in. Not any like scales, measurements were involved. And normally what I'd pull out of our elderly argo was something that was just pure rubber or a frisbee or way too tough or way too raw. Um Whenever I used to say that I was baking, my parents just had this silent sigh. Um, (laughs) I went to my local secondary school, which was a one-minute walk from my house, which is really lovely. And I was always, I'm the youngest of three, and I loved just being involved in everything and being a part of everything. But I also had quite a strong work ethic, so I just wanted to be the best and do everything. If that was sports or drama or English history, whatever it was. Um, so my brother was doing his GCSEs and my sister was doing her A-levels. And I was 14, doing year nine. And I just kept questioning myself or asking, just what, what is the point of doing this? Is it to do more exams in the future? Why, why am I doing it all? Um, and I started to just spiral into this, this faster and faster and faster darkwood circle almost but I was a very good actress (laughs) Um, and I was able to carry on this pretense of who I was which was this very like smiley happy I was kind of like the type of girl who would laugh so hard she'd be herself a little (laughs) Um, and then yeah and then one day I just I didn't want to get out of bed because I was just exhausted from pretending to everyone all the time and my parents just thought oh I'd had like quite a long week and I'd worked very hard and then I didn't wake up the next day and I stayed in bed and again it was a weekend so like oh she's just exhausted but then Monday came around and it wasn't that I didn't want to get out of bed it's literally that I couldn't I I was numb everywhere um and I think that's when my parents realized this wasn't something that I was just tired this was something more um, but my parents work extremely hard. My dad's a teacher and my mum works for a cancer charity. So it wasn't like they could just stop everything and help me. Um, and that summer was a very long and quite scary summer. 
but during the summer my dad always used to make a loaf of bread and they were not they were not beautiful I didn't grow up on like fresh homemade bread I grew up on the proper like white slice 99 and when my dad did bake bread we'd always go for like the 99 so like this quite <laughs> dodgy loaf um instead of making this bread this is a no need method so you add a tiny bit of yeast flour water salt and you stir it in a bowl and you leave it for about 12 hours and the next morning you scoop it into a tin and bake it and it's still quite a like breeze block of a loaf um and always quite dairy in the middle but to me this just seemed like magic in a such a simple process and just four ingredients you stir them together i i remember the first evening I watched him make it I actually <laughs> took the piss out of him because I was like oh what were you made this like clumpy mix but then the next morning when he showed me the bowl it was just this bubbly alive mixture and I was like oh oh damn <laughs> um and I asked slash kind of forced <laughs> him to teach me how to make this loaf and it's such a such a simple method and I instantly just fell in love with it you know that thing when you just you do something once and you know that that's it, the way it makes you feel, the way it empowers you, the way it captures your imagination, you know that's the thing that you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I started making more and more loaves of bread. <laughs> My family couldn't sustain themselves in this like pure bread diet. So we started <laughs> giving out to neighbours. Um, and we're in quite a small rural town, so good bread you'd have to drive an hour to get to. If you wanted to go to Oxford or wherever, um, and sort of giving it to neighbours, and then they told their neighbours, who told their neighbours. But we have a very elderly Arga, so I had to <laughs> tiptoe around in the morning to my neighbour's house and bake all the bread, and then I would push it on the back of my blue bike, which had no brakes whatsoever, <laughs> and wow. I would cycle the bread around my village, dropping it off to each people's house. Um, and that I did for about a couple of weeks. And for me, it was just that routine of, I had to get out of bed because I had to bake the bread. Um, and I was doing something that really mattered and that really benefited other people. And I was giving something to people. And all of that came together as this amazing, almost like this therapy. Um, I was pretty bad at any other therapy. My parents tried to get me into like mindfulness or knitting or pottery or and I was so bad at it because I have such a short attention span at the same time. So um, did you know, Kitty, at that stage mm. that you were going to set up the Orange Bakery or was it still just something that you were doing to distract yourself um, from the sort of inner workings of your mind and to, to mm. give you a sort of boost and a, and a, and a much rosier outlook in life? I think yes and no. I think maybe deep down I probably always knew that this would lead me somewhere. But in the moment, I could only think literally for the next hour. Or in that very day, I couldn't think like six hours time, I'm going to do this. I had to mm -hmm. think in the moment every day. Um, but then as time went by, I definitely had that kind of feeling, that gut feeling. When you, you know that this is something that's going to last and something that is that has come to you in a time of your life, not just to distract you, but almost like a, a weird sense of a cooling. So from the, um, when you were biking or cycling around with your um, bread in the basket, 
how did it then how did you move that into the pop-up stage and your what was it yarn bombing that I discovered yeah. about your orange <laughs> pom-poms and from that into opening your shop what was the sort of time mm. frame and how did you go about that kitty so for me it felt like quite everything happened quite slowly but actually looking at the time frame it all escalated very fast I think within six months of baking my first loaf we opened the shop wow um, which sounds crazy Kitty is I'm quite always... a girl I mean I think you're a girl or are you a woman or I don't know young lady <laughs> um, I've always been quite like that like when I pick something to do and maybe it's because I'm young and I had that naivety I go for it nothing stops me even if it is like the barrier that everyone else sees I just see it as something to do or to be done. Um, and my dad was amazing because he was teaching at Oxford Uni. He specialises in dyslexia. And he then realised, actually, he'd always wanted to open a shop and to do something like that. And he'd always loved bread. So together, it was like his dream combo. Um, but at the very beginning, it was very much... He'd bake the bread with me and then he'd go off to work and then I'd go and deliver it. Then he'd come back and he'd make the bread with me for the next day. And we got to a point when we were producing so well, it felt like a lot. I think it was like 10 loads a day um, that we realised that we really wanted to do something that was bigger, something which almost was a test to us how much we mm -hmm. could bake. So we decided to do a pop-up, but I thought no one would come. So we decided to <laughs> yarn bomb our whole town. And yarn bombing is when you kind of, you scatter spools of yarn all over your town. So for the first week or two, we tried to knit. <laughs> we, I don't know why, we thought we'd pick it up really easily and knit like metres and metres. But we were so bad. We could, I could start it my dad could just about do like three lines <laughs> and then it'll like form a clump of ball but what I was quite good at is making pom-poms so we got all this all this wool and we started making about 20 pom-poms a day but by that rate we were only producing 140 a week we needed to produce a lot more so we decided to ask all our people who are part of the bread subscription and all our friends to make these pom-poms. And I think within like two weeks, we had 500. And three days before the pop-up, we went around in like the dead of night. I don't know why we did that at night. It felt a bit cooler. And we tied these pom-poms up to every like street post, every um, gate, everything. And the next morning, everyone woke up to these orange pom-poms all around Watlington. And they were everywhere. They were outside the schools, outside the shops, in some of the shops. <laughs> um, and some people started taking them down and taking them home and hanging them up in their windows. <laughs> and the day of the pop-up, we thought no one would come. We thought, oh, yeah, but, like, how do people know it was us with the pom-poms? We didn't think it through that well. <laughs> Um, and we planned like who we'd give our spare bread to. Is it the care homes, the couple of shelters? Um, and the day of the pop up, we loaded the shop up. It was about 15 minutes till we opened, and no one was there. So we were like, oh, it's fine. We'll be open for like a couple of hours, and then you know maybe give some away. Um, and then about 10 minutes before the pop up, a couple of people started queuing and then five minutes before the pop-up and there was this enormous queue of about 60 people 
Um, and we actually opened the doors five minutes early because we were so excited. And I had my brother and my sister helping me and my mum was there my dad and we sold out within 25 minutes I think it was and we just about managed to feed the last cinnamon buns the last person in the queue um but that was definitely the moment when we realized this was something different this wasn't just a hobby this was something major turning point yeah but then we went up to like a six day week which is another extra day of just prepping so we were working like seven days a week flat out for about a month and we just got exhausted yeah are you still working sort of seven day weeks or have you managed to to rebalance it? so recently we had a couple of days off um we're not very good at relaxing me and dad <laughs> we find it so unrelaxing and knackering if someone tells us to like have a like have a sleep or have a day when you don't do anything that's like our hardest days um we are back to our five day a week which gives me a day off and then another day to experiment which I love doing (laughs) anybody who wants to know about Kitty's experimenting do follow her on Instagram because you will see the most incredible concoctions um so Kitty do you ever have those sort of days where you feel unmotivated and um you or do you find that because it's so new and because it helps you feel alive that you you don't really have unmotivated days so I definitely have unmotivated days maybe at the beginning when I was like oh it's a new but when you wake up at like 4 30 in the morning sometimes you're a bit like oh um but I think for me it's never just been about the bakery I've always had like eight different ideas in my head and even though seven of them would always fail I love that's the way I work I never just have one thing that I focus on um and actually that keeps me motivated just having all these different pockets of things that make me happy or things that I want to do or things that I really want to work on just when one thing makes me oh the other thing just picks me up again what do you think about when you're kneading the dough Hmm. I mean does that do you go daydreaming or do you think about the business or do you listen to music? What, what, a bit what of everything. Um, so I do a lot of daydreaming, <laughs> not going to lie. I think a lot about the business. We do, I love listening to podcasts and music um, when we're baking. We do a lot of, <laughs> sometimes we do really good podcasts and then every now and again, Gardener's Question Time sneaks in there or... <laughs> And we always laugh at how bitchy they are to each other. And then I think it's really lovely because I am always working with my dad. We are able to constantly bounce ideas off each other. So if we're needing or like cutting up the Alberts or the white sourdough for the next day, we'll talk about like the business or what we want to invent tomorrow or whatever we might be thinking about and whatever's in our minds. That's really lovely, actually. It's almost like a time to have a discussion or a business discussion. Who's the boss out of you two? Oh, <laughs> dangerous question. <laughs> um, I'm probably more bossy. But I think <laughs> I think my dad's like the quiet, secret boss. But I'm definitely more. Um, maybe I tell him. I probably tell him like tell him off more. Tell him what to do more. But he's he's probably cleverer. <laughs> Who makes the decisions? Do you do you do them together? And do so you... we have we're quite yin and yang. We think very differently, and I think that's why we work. Um, I'm very I wouldn't say impulsive, but I think 
very fast and I can spiral an idea very, very fast and think things through and research things very quickly. But I'm almost like the architect, but my dad's always a builder. So I'll have the idea and exactly how I want to do it and what I want to do. But my dad's amazing at just putting the building blocks in place so I don't just fall through completely. Um, he's actually, he thinks he's more of a logical thinker, but he's just as impulsive as me, I think. He just hides it a bit more. <laughs> do you ever fall out with your dad? You know, it's a very intense relationship that you've got. Yeah. Are there days where you just think, Dad, you're really annoying me? Um, sometimes we're quite blunt with each other, but we're, we're both, um, we both struggle because we're people pleasers. So if I'm in a grumpy mood, he'll be like exhausting himself just trying to make me happy and vice versa mm-hmm. when he's like oh quite grumpy and doesn't talk much I straight away think oh god I need to make you happy um so we've come to terms with that quite a lot and yeah we never actually properly argue or he's we're quite stubborn sometimes so if we have an idea we all both just like voice that till the end <laughs> but um it's really lovely because I never really knew my dad almost. He he was a work he was a stay at home dad when we were growing up. But when I turned like ten he went back to work and I never really knew him properly or spent a lot of time with him actually. And that's something that's really lovely to do with the bakery because we spend so much time with each other. We are almost like best friends. That sounds so sad. <laughs> no, but, I think um... it sounds lovely, but your siblings get a little bit of mm. I don't like the word envy, but I'm going to use it. Just thinking, hey, Kitty has all of Dad's time and we have less of Dad's time. Or... Yeah, so my siblings, I think if it was my younger sibling, I would definitely be, like, angry and annoyed. But my siblings are older than me and they are so lovely and accepting. And my dad's very good at balancing his time, but my sister's at uni. So when we started the bakery, she went to university which kind of meant she doesn't like when she's at home. My dad really focuses on spending a lot of time with her. Um, But like day to day, actually, she just doesn't notice. And then my brother was very like involved in his A-levels, but even things like that. My dad's very good at like balancing his time. Even now, like in quarantine, I know that sometimes I just need to do, pick up a bit more of the bakery works and he can spend a bit more time with them. So it's always a balance, but it works quite well. Sounds like you've got it sorted just a couple of quick questions kitty and then we are going to dive into our chocolate break so um would you say you are an introvert or an extrovert oh it's so hard and i always i flick between the two quite a lot i i'd probably say i am quite an extrovert my dad's definitely more of an introvert but i i definitely i'm very i'm more confident and if i know that i want something I will go after it, but I'd be very open about what I want and how I'm going to get it. I don't know if you have this, but do you ever have that sort of critical inner voice that says you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that? And and if you do, how do you try and keep mm. that sort of negative chatter parked up? I have this voice constantly in my head that just tells me I should be doing that or I should be doing that or when I haven't done that or when I should be doing that. Um, and that's why I have to balance quite a lot if it's this voice in my head at the end of the day sometimes when it goes, oh, did I do that? No, I didn't. Oh, did I do that? No, I didn't. Or should I be doing this or should I be doing that? Um, and I'm able to balance it 
sometimes with just literally writing a list in my head of the things that I have done and being proud of those things. But it is something that I definitely fight with quite a lot still, just that need or that voice that tells me that I should be doing more than maybe that's even physically possible. Maybe it's because I'm ginger and I am quite stubborn. I hate or I hated to be dependent on people. I found that really difficult because because of the way I am and because I felt that I couldn't be understood. I I hated depending and actually what I've realised is you can't do anything really by yourself and if you're clever you will depend on the right people. And I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by the right people who support me and love me, but also tell me when an idea is not good or tell me when I'm doing something too reckless or too fast or something irrational. And yeah, and actually that's something that I've definitely learned recently, just to invest in people, even if they don't get you or don't get your ideas. Invest in what they can do for you and what you can do for them. I think we all have it, don't we? I read recently um, this idea where if your voice, if you've got all this inner chat going on, if you're learning a language, you try and count up to 10 in that language. And actually, I'm not learning a language, but I go back to my days with French and it really cuts that inner chat off. It's extremely powerful. It's just my, my new discovery. Okay, so we are going to head in. You can probably hear the the um, rustle <laughs> of the paper. I hope Kitty's got her bar. It actually is a bar that I have never eaten in the whole of my life. And <gasps> wait, one um, I, I left mine in. I left mine in the bathroom. Oh, I'll quick! Off you go. Off she goes. I'm going to unwrap mine while Kitty goes to find hers in the bathroom. Why she was in the bathroom was because she was set up to record in the bathroom, but it kept cutting off. It's not some odd thing that she does um and actually while she's away i'll tell you that you another instagram push but she um kitty's made these incredible brioche with ah oh, here she comes kitty i was just about to chat about your incredible brioche that i've seen <gasps> on your yeah. um, instagram page with you we'll talk snickers and then just a quick mention on that because we're going off piece but i like that so the snickers what is your connection because i have seen on your page that your dad settles down with his hat over his eyes for a 20 minute kip and a snickers what's your love of this bar that you um, tried the first time it's definitely something that me and my dad are slightly hooked on um when we were kids we always used to have it cold so my dad would put it in the freezer and then he would cut it up into small squares and we'd mm -hmm. go for Normally it'd be quite a hot day or sometimes cold days. And we used to, Watlington is shadowed almost by this enormous hill with a white mark on. And it's kind of what we're known for. And he always used to go, every Saturday we'd go for a walk and we'd go up the hill. And then he'd give us a slice of the Snickers. Um, and something about one small slice of cold chocolate tastes so much better than anything else. <laughs> Um, it does. It's it's funny that the fridge aspect or the freezer aspect of of what it does, yeah, it's delicious. And and Kitty, on your on your page, um, you've got this the brioche. You've got one minute to chat about that because I've got a whole list of questions. And Chris, the producer, is going to be whipping us in shape. We get too distracted. So the is that my cereal milk brioche? No, it's oh. your homemade peanut. This is oh. your. This yes. made me think. Oh, Snicker is a Snicker in a brioche. That one. <laughs> I also do Snicker cookies. Um, okay. 
which are amazing. I have caramel in the centre, so when you rip it open, you just get this, like, caramel gooeyness. Um, but, yeah, so I invented recently, which were these brioche and then filled with homemade peanut butter and then coated with a dark chocolate ganache. Very dangerous. You can eat this because <laughs> I've had my first slice. It's actually not bad. Not bad? Not bad. I can't believe you've never had one before. I, I have to get over that. I think it's the thought of peanuts and chocolate. I'm not a peanut butter fan, actually, at all. I've never eaten it and I don't want to eat it. I think I eat a jar a day. It's not good. (laughs) Um, Well, I I mean, we all have our weak spots, but yeah, peanut butter doesn't get me. Okay, Kitty, success. What are your thoughts on the word success? What does it mean to you? In a strange way, sometimes um, they kind of merge into one. Success comes with failure, but almost like, horrible best friend <laughs> um because so much of the time I'm actually quite scared of success because sometimes it just fuels that inner voice of if I succeed once why can't I succeed again and again and again mm-hmm. but at the same time I almost I feel more comfortable with failure because then there's only one way to go <laughs> which maybe isn't the best ethos but it means that I can set myself goals that are virtually impossible because I'd always rather fail than succeed how interesting <laughs> I think it's quite I don't know I think a that's just the way I work um I love so you feel more cut so is that do you think that's going into the high achiever thing whereas if you start from the bottom bit of it mm. you, as you say you can only go up and therefore yeah, you're, you're gonna keep getting successes whereas if you if you're up on the top level which to me you are I mean you, your success is you know the the respect the acclaim the product everything mm. you you potentially one puts oneself on a pedestal where you could be knocked there could be a knock but then you could yeah. see potentially that as a positive thing because it could make you think actually you know what I'm going to just try a little bit better or I'm going to adapt mm. it or I don't know what's yeah. your thoughts on that I think for me, the bakery is definitely just the first step, almost. Um, I have very like many plans and dreams where I want to go. And I think it is that high-achieving kind of gene when you just... Success isn't something that you want. It's not something that you want again and again and again. What mm-hmm. you want is to fail because you know that the next the next success will taste even better <laughs> almost like a cold chip that snickers even though you only get a sliver it tastes so much better than a whole bar fascinating <laughs> but with the baking with the bread and sourdough which i'm sure many of the listeners who bake sourdough will know failure is constant and it's unpredictable because you're dealing with a live creature a sourdough starter is alive it breathes it bubbles it eats and if the temperature gets a bit over this or if it gets a bit below this many degrees, the sourdough dies or it goes into a hibernation mode and then your loaves are flat and frisbee and tough and have big holes in. Um, and that's almost part and parcel of running the bakery and working with something that is so unpredictable. But it's also what I love because when I then pull out a really good loaf of bread, I really appreciate it and I'm really proud because I know that I've had to fight against, not even fight against, but really understand the sourdough starter and really understand this living creature. It's almost like a reward. But I mean, chocolate's different, but chocolate is a temperamental 
um, beast as well. Kitty, on your you have your early starts and you clearly work very hard. But what I'd love you to share with the listeners is a, a little bit about how you look after yourself. So what what's your daily ritual when you wake up in the morning? Do you? So do you have I a... wake up. I normally don't have any time. I'm normally like in a half sleep haze. Um, at about 4.35 and I bake and even that ritual is just baking even though it's my job for me mentally it means that I can mm-hmm. start my day doing something um, and something I do definitely fight with a bit now is looking after myself I can burn out quite quickly <laughs> actually recently I love I found wild swimming which is really lovely so after the bakery day is done at like four o'clock we go down to the river and we just swim and even though it's freezing and you freeze your tits off sometimes it is amazing that feeling afterwards it literally just puts your body into a state of almost like this numbness but this bliss at the same time um and I really love doing that another thing is I have a little corgi she's not little anymore I I fed her way too much and she's quite chubby now um a little corgi puppy who is adorable <laughs> but she's definitely good at the end of the day just to take for a walk or give a cuddle and really makes you feel like I don't know you're looking after her yeah I was going to say when when does your brain actually stop I mean how how does stress affect you and where does stress affect you mm. is it is it a physical thing is it a mental thing is it both I think it's a bit of everything um so sometimes my brain just doesn't stop so you know you have those nights when you go to bed but you don't sleep because you're just you're thinking constantly again and again um and I'm not great at that sometimes I will just think for about eight hours when I'm lying in bed and think about all the things I should be doing or want to do or the bakery should be doing or sometimes it's completely random things I'm thinking about um and what yeah, and that's definitely sometimes frustrating, but also it means I can wake up in the morning or even just get up in the morning and go, right, I've got a business plan, I've got an idea. Um, my dad always goes, what? when did you sleep? What do you do if you can't mm. sleep? You just allow your head, your mind to keep thinking yeah. and processing. You don't do anything to stop yourself and then No, I think that's what I've no. had to learn. Sometimes I go down and I have, like, some hot milk. <laughs> um, and that's definitely something I've had to learn to do and I just have make sure I have a sleep in the day because if my brain starts to work and my brain starts to have this go on this like idea and thought process spiral I just have to let it because no matter how hard I stress myself out trying to sleep it just doesn't work and actually sometimes something really interesting and magical can come from just thinking and riding this flow of thoughts in the night do you see um, your bread baking as a sort of form of meditation and helping you live in the moment? Mm, yeah, definitely, actually. Whenever we have like a week's break or that's probably when I find it the most stressful and the toughest because even when the bakery can be stressful, it's so calming and just that feeling of touching something the whole time or feeling the mm-hmm. dough underneath your fingertips and it's it's alive and it's alive because you've created it and you've fed it and you've nurtured it and then feeling that you can in the morning when we're baking this bread every single loaf that comes from the oven someone is going to enjoy and someone is going to cherish and someone's going to eat every day for breakfast and that feeling every morning is very therapeutic and very meditating and 
takes away any stress that I feel is on my chest. Do you have any hobbies, Kitty, apart from baking? At the moment, my brother and sister are at home, so um, I'm playing a lot of things like banana grams, <laughs> um, which I always fail at because I'm quite dyslexic. But apart from that, baking takes up a lot of my time. And when I'm not baking, I just want to experiment or I love to draw and I love to doodle. Normal, normally, I doodle like pastries and donuts and <laughs> always in the same continuum. How does it feel running a business at such a young age, Kitty? And, you know, do you miss your school friends and that whole school life? Um, I've been very lucky to be surrounded by really supportive people who have helped me along the way and helped me along the journey. Um, my school friends were really lovely when I got ill and they used to send little parcels through my door and little envelopes. I think them, they see, I don't know, leaving school and setting up a bakery to be the dream. Um, but I think if they had to get up at like 4.30 one morning, <laughs> I think they would run to the school. <laughs> um, and with the bakery and with the business, I have a lot of ideas <laughs> and I have a lot of ambition for it. I don't see myself running a bakery in my town for another for like the next 10 or 20 years I have a lot of ideas for franchising and have a lot of ideas for building up this brand of the orange bakery and seeing where I can take it um and maybe it's because I'm a bit overly ambitious or I prefer failing than succeeding so some of my ideas are <laughs> a bit out there or are very um ambitious but it's something I'm really excited to looking and looking forward to doing. Can you share any of your mm, ideas? Yeah, of course. So obviously we had the book in the works, but what I'm also really interested looking into is creating an orange bakery franchise, which it wouldn't be a bread. It wouldn't be like a Gales or a um, Olenstein where the bread is all made in two big factories and then shipped out to the shops, which is still very good bread. What I'm really interested in doing is creating the atmosphere. What's so good about the bakery isn't just the bread. I mean, the bread's nice, but it isn't the bread. It's the atmosphere that we create. It's people feel a part of something when they're queuing. They feel like they're a part of something that's special and warm, and they feel almost cool. <laughs> they feel cool to queue. We get a lot of customers who just feel good when they queue, and that's what I'd be really interested in looking into recreating everywhere is somewhere where people can come together and queue for something that they enjoy but queue because they want to and queue because they feel they can be a part of the community and a part of something different and interesting. Do you feel much older for your years? I mean talking to you I could be talking to someone pretty much my age and I'm about to be 50. Do you feel a sort of old soul as such? Um, I never used to. I think it's funny when you come out of the education system you look back and things like I would never be friends with someone who was like the year below me or the year above me or you'd have to be really cool to be friends with people the year above and even gender you could only really be friends with like people who are gender and if you were friends with a boy oh, it's a bit risky so for me coming out of that I definitely do almost feel like I'm 15 going on 50. <laughs> um, do you have friends your age group? Yeah, I do. Um, you hang out with still? I have a couple, yeah. But I think it's odd because for me, it's definitely 
I find it hard because I'm in a complete different world almost or just the way a conversation goes is different when you're with 15 year old girls to when you're with someone who is 25 or 30 or 45 um and that's something that I always kind of juggle and I had a lot of expectation on myself to be more like a teenager and what I'm kind of navigating through now is just being a bit different it's not being I mean I have a word for it kind of it's not being like unique or special it's not better it's not worse it's kind of just being a bit other <laughs> and being a bit other is just when you think a bit different and maybe you're a bit older or maybe you're a bit younger and it's just thinking a bit different. Do you think you'll return back into the education system at some stage? Um, so I was looking into going to sixth form work for a while and um, there was a really lovely school who offered me a scholarship but actually for me I always have to take something up to the line to decide if I want to do it or not and I'm at a different part of my life now and I've established a different life for myself almost where the education going back into the education system doesn't make sense to me um and I think it's amazing and my brother and sister have loved it and I think it's something that benefits 99% of people before the one percent actually it's not the right path and I think I've just realized that it's not the right path for me I wonder what, what do you see yourself doing by the age of 20 I mean, it's going to be fascinating to watch you grow. Dangerous question. <laughs> um, I want to, I think there are loads of different routes I want to go into. I have different plans, like I have different ideas in my head. There are seven different things I want to represent and people I want to help. But at the same time, I think I just want to be different. <laughs> Kitty, what advice would you give young people with setting up a business and, and potentially doing something similar to you? I think there's so many different things. I would probably say it's okay to be naive and it's good actually. If I maybe if I was 22 and I wanted to start a bakery, I'd see more obstacles if that even if that was supporting myself or whatever it might be. And actually if you're young, use that naivety, use that freedom that you've got and go for it. Brilliant advice for everybody, I think, really. <laughs> Do you have a favourite song that you listen to when you're in the bakery or a song that just makes you feel mm. really upbeat? And... So we have quite a lot of... We have a big Orange Bakery playlist, which we add, like, ten songs to every day. But my favourite song... It's a bit of an odd one. I, I, it became my favourite song when I was, like, I think I was seven, eight, um, called El Mondo. It was when we went to, we've never really gone on holidays that weren't Scotland or France, but once we went to this little apartment in Rome, and I remember it was right next to a chain shack, so every like hour the whole apartment just starts shuddering. But we went to this town square one day, and there was this old man singing this amazing Italian song. Um, and that's what probably I love to listen to about eight times a day. And it's just so it's called El Monde. El Monde. Okay, there you go, listeners. That's one to put on your playlist. So, Kitty, um, the podcast is called Hope and Patience, and I would love to know when, if you can remember a time when you've had to have huge amounts of hope, and then also another time where you've needed to have a lot of patience. These are something that I probably have to have every single day, and. That's the bread baking, but we're making the dough and we don't know 
we don't know how good it is at the beginning we don't know how alive the start is and you do have to have a lot of hope and then you have to have a lot of patience because even if you've been making cassava it takes about 36 hours to make so you have to have a lot of hope that it's going to go well and then a lot of patience to when you do actually bake it um and waiting for it to ferment and waiting for it to bubble up but also with my mind and with the bakery and with almost the business and the journey the way I work is quite fast speed and I like to get things done quickly and if I have a dream I will wake up the next morning and think right I want to do it today or I want to do it tomorrow or I'm going to do this and I have to have a lot of hope in myself but also have a lot of patience with that because some things just take time and people take time and lose different processes just take time um my granny is actually called patient so that was always a joke oh is she <laughs> yeah how funny because my granny was patient so your granny's patience and how old is your granny um i think she's oh no i hope she doesn't listen to us <laughs> um i think she is 84 Wow. Hello, Patience, if you're listening to this, because my granny, my granny died a long time ago. But I, I just think the name is Patience is 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 such an incredible name. <laughs> it's been such a treat to chat with you. And you've got some exciting things in the pipeline. You've got the book in the pipeline. I'd love you just to um, tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can find your incredible bakery too, which now we're allowed to go out of of london i'm definitely going to drive down and queue up <laughs> um so you can find us in watlington we are on the high street number 10 and you will notice there's normally a queue on a saturday but um and the smell is quite an obvious tell <laughs> we have an instagram called the real orange bakery which i think i started a year ago which is really lovely and you can almost see the whole journey through pictures um and and what we're currently working on now is our recipe book and our cookbook but it's also going to be half of it is story and our journey and then the other half are my recipes and there'll be recipes that'll be easy and there'll be recipes that'll be simple but then there are also recipes which are a bit weirder <laughs> like cornflake brioche or marmite bread um and hopefully that will be coming out in the next couple of years so that's really exciting. And also, listeners, what I'm hoping is that she allows us to have a, a recipe that we can potentially put up on the website and in our newsletter. So I need to ask Kitty about that. But thank you, Kitty, once again so much oh, for sparing you. your time. It's been a treat. I have I've wanted to have you as a guest on the podcast since before the podcast was created you were on my top of my list and I thought okay I'm just going to ask her <laughs> and so I'm really really chuffed that you said yes so thank you very thank much thank you and I hope I hope I won you round with Snickers you have won me round with Snickers which could be a dangerous <laughs> win around but you most definitely have so the book that I'm going to recommend for this week actually is one that Niraj Shah talked about on the show he was on, but I've read it and it's absolutely amazing. Atomic Habits by James Clear, all about how the quantity of habit changing is better than the quality. So with your, with your you've got to keep repeating these good habits to flush out the bad habits. And it talks about action and motion. And it's very interesting. The difference is very, very slight, but major in into outcomes and stuff. So do grab a copy if you haven't already. And the quote for the show is by Rumi. 
and it is Don't Grieve, Anything You Lose Comes Round in Another Form. Thank you so much for joining us both today. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episode. And if you enjoyed the chat, it would be fab if you could rate and review on Apple or Spotify. If you think the gems in the episode may inspire your family, friends, neighbour or colleague, please do share it with them. It also helps more people find the show too, which is Brill. If there is anything you'd love to hear more of, less of, and importantly too, none of, please let me know. The show is here for you. So until next time, bye-bye, and remember to keep your inner sparkle sparkling. Hope and Patience with Amelia Rope. Join the conversation at hopeandpatience.co.uk or find Amelia on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Hope and Pat.